If you have a Bible, I hope you do. Turn to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. I want to thank those who are participants in this video. Uh, just share some memories and uh, some things as it related to our church. Uh, it is pretty cool to see that our church over the years has remained a multi-generational church. And that means we have people from every generation represented in this body. And uh, y'all, that's what it's really all about. Just keeping us together where we can learn from one another, especially as we get older and uh, we can still learn, right? So in Joshua chapter 3, what I want to do is I want to set up the context for this sermon this morning as it relates to us as a church family. In Joshua chapter 3, what is happening there is a vision that began 430 years before is about to be realized. And they're about to move into the promised land. Now, many of you probably know the story in, in which there was a famine in the land, and therefore the, uh, the Israelites had to move into to Egypt. They remained there for approximately 400 years. A family of 70 became a nation of 2 to 3 million people. And then God begins to hear the cries and the prayers of his people while in bondage to those in Egypt. And so therefore, God began to raise up a man who would lead them out. And of course, we know his name to be Moses. Moses would literally lead them out of Egypt into the wilderness, right to the edge of the Jordan, which we know is on the other side of the promised land. And as a result of them making their way there, spies were sent into the land. Those spies go into the land and they come back, 12 of them. They come back, 10 of them said, there's no way we can do this. Two, Joshua and Caleb basically had the idea that, no, we can do this. With God, we can take this place. And, and so they were the only two. Well, as a result, a whole generation of people died in the wilderness because of their unbelief, because they didn't take God at his word, because they didn't see the vision continued and realized through them as a, as a generation. Now, what's interesting is God begins to raise up another generation that I believe would be tested whether they go in or not. Another 12 spies go in and they come back and basically the idea is, yes, we can take the land. So Joshua now becomes the man who will be called to lead this nation as they make their way towards the promised land. Now, how does this fit into what we're talking about here today? Well, I want you to think about it. We see, what we see in this story is from the past, we see or comes a vision for the future. So we know that 430 years before this, there's that whole idea of Abraham and the promise that was given to him. It came down to them becoming a mighty nation. That covenant was fulfilled. And now they're, they're going into the promised land. What can we learn from that? Well, as you already know, we're celebrating 70 years as an established church. And what we can learn from that, I think, is very valuable as we begin to move forward with what God has called us to do. So what I want you to do is look at the introduction there. Over the last 2,000 years, other than his word and his spirit, the key resource that God has used to make himself known to the world is his church. His church. And we make up one of those churches. To understand how we as a church family can carry out God's vision to impact our culture, lessons can be learned from God's people under Joshua's leadership. So in Joshua chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out for Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. 
Again, on the other side is the promised land. It's literally the vision that will be realized. And he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camps and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I want you to notice a couple of phrases here in verse three. It says, then you shall set out from your place. You know what they were literally doing? They're literally leaving something that was familiar. How many of you have noticed that in life, things that are familiar are very comfortable? And sometimes when we look at those who, who, who remain many times in bondage or something that's familiar, many times they're comforted in things that we would never find comfort in. Now, I want you to think about it. They were in the wilderness and they're about to cross over. And they were leaving something that was familiar and they were crossing over. Now, what are they to do? It says, go after it. What are they going after? What God had for them. What God had for them. And basically, it will not only benefit them, what they're about to do will not only benefit them, but the generations to come. And that's what we're seeing in this story. Verse four, yet there shall be a space between you and it, and speaking of the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. That's about a half mile. So here's, here's the parade, basically. There's gonna be the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest. We know that Ark represents the, the presence of God. And here's what you need to understand about it. Those people seeing that, that became their faith connection. That became their connection to God that whatever he leads them to do, they're willing to do and they're following. And so this mighty nation begins to pull out to go claim what God has for them. And here, and they go out. He's, he basically then says, don't come near. Don't come near to art. Why would you not do that? That you may know the way which you must go. He's basically wanting everyone to see the ark that's out in front of them. He wanted every person. They had to follow about a half a mile back so that everyone stood the opportunity to see it for themselves, God leading them into the promised land. Now, he goes on in verse 5, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Set yourself apart. Identify as God's people. Why? For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know what he's, about, you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, in the, in the near future, you're going to see some amazing things God's going to do through you as a people. Yeah. And, and he's telling them that. He, and, and to me, I think there would be expectation that would come from that. Now turn to Joshua chapter 24. Let's, let's look at what takes place between Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 24. Well, we know, if you know any Bible stories, you know that walls are going to fall down in Jericho, don't we? we? We know that part of the story. We know that lands and people will be conquered. We know that land will be divided and cities will be established. Much will be accomplished and many victories won, yet many, many challenges still lied before, laid before them. Here in chapter 24, Joshua appears to be at the end of his ministry, just like Moses was at the end of his before it turned over to Joshua, when he summons the people together for his last message. And you know what he tells the elders? He basically tells them, he says, I want you to think about where we once were. I want you to think about how God did what he did and how he did it through us. I want you to think about the connection of faith we had with God. Then 
I want you to think about this. Things begin to change. They found out, they found themselves once again. Think about this. They're standing there and, and, and Joshua's about to pass away and they found themselves at a crossroads once again. Do you know what I've noticed about faith? Faith in my own life, faith in lead, helping lead a church is it seems like every time you turn around, our faith is at a crossroads. And it's amazing that every time we get to a certain point, all of a sudden we've got to choose. Will we serve God? Will we go after the vision? Will we do what God's called us to do? Now, some of you are sitting in here and you've been with the, on this journey for a long time with us, for 20 years, some of you. And you're probably sitting there and thinking, what are they getting ready to change now? We're not talking about that this Everything, All the changes we have right now that need to be done are good things, and you'll, you'll appreciate some of the things we're trying to do. But I want you to understand, we've accomplished a lot. I'm going to show you that in just a moment, but we still got a long ways to go. So what are we doing here today? Today, what we're doing is we're celebrating what's already happened. We're celebrating how God has done mighty things through this church. And so really, when you really think about it going forward, and by the way, this is a message I preached at our 50th anniversary 20 years ago. Here, here's, here's the points of the sermon. Here it is. How do we build on the foundation that was laid before us? The first thing we have to do is remember the sacrifice behind us. When you look at chapter 24, again, Joshua's giving his farewell speech. And basically what we find him doing, he is basically getting all the elders around him, all those, his leadership around him. And he's about to say, y'all, listen, the vision has not been fully realized. There's still more to accomplish. There's still walls that need to come down. There's still people that need to be conquered. And he begins to, to expound on that. And then in verse 13 of Joshua chapter 24, he says this. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. Now, God is speaking to the people through Joshua to say this. And God, is, listen to what he says. I've given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, why don't you think about that? Don't you think some people who heard that may have taken exception to that? There were many of them that laid their life on the line to accomplish the vision God had put before them. But here's what you need to understand. Here's what God desires from us. He desires us to have a faith in such a way that what we are pursuing that he put in front of us, that we get so caught up in it that we lose ourselves and see that it's God that's doing it all. And that's what he's done through us for the last 20 years. And it's really been a remarkable journey that we have taken. Now, we've just heard and we've just read and we've just seen what God did with the nation of Israel. But what has God done around here? Well, in the spring of 1948, a group of people noticed that the community needed a church. And to help tell this story, I want to invite uh, Miss Betty McIntyre and her daughter Debbie uh, to come up. Jonathan, would you come? We're, we're going to interview Miss Betty and her daughter Debbie's going to help out. And by the way, uh, those two ladies represent the only church historians this church has ever had since 1949. And some of you may not realize it, but Miss Betty wrote a book on the history of this church. And so y'all come on up here. If you can make your way on up here, we got some chairs for you. Let's welcome them this morning as they come. Amen. We're excited this morning about uh, interviewing Miss Betty and Miss Debbie. 
Uh, they've been a part of our church for many, many, many years. And uh, just knowing their faithfulness, and uh, you guys can go ahead and have a seat if that works for y'all. I've got some mics here. We actually had this worked out a little better earlier where you guys wouldn't have to hold a microphone, uh, but we, we had some sound issues this morning. But just to kind of give you uh, our church family some context here uh, about these two ladies, uh, Betty here, Betty McIntyre here, uh, she has been a faithful member of our church since 19. 19- 52. She joined when she was 20 years old. Uh, she's been a teacher for over 50 years in our church. And that ranging from uh, GA leader, which was basically the youth group uh, at that time, to put that in context, VBS director for 10 years, uh, senior adult leader. Uh, she was responsible for 26 homebound at one point. Um, and then we have Debbie. Debbie was born in, in this church. She was, uh, has, has been a member here since, uh, since she was a little girl. Uh, she was the financial administrator of our church for six years, uh, several years yourself as a teacher as well. And then also I uh, wanted to mention Gus McIntyre. Gus was Betty's husband. And uh, Gus was a deacon for almost 50 years here in our church, a teacher for 50 years, and uh, Gus was also a builder. In fact, if you step foot in just about any building on this campus, he had a part in that. So both parts of the children's facility, uh, Gus helped build the church office, even the room you're sitting in right now. Can you just think about that for just a minute? That Gus, Miss Betty's husband, helped lay the foundation of the room that we're sitting in right now. Um, so that's pretty encouraging when you think about it. When you think of someone who can speak on behalf of where our church has been, uh, this family has been able to do that. And we are very excited about them speaking this morning. Miss Betty is responsible as well for the, historic, uh, the historical case back here in the corner. She's been our church historian, kept all the records, the pictures you see we, we were able to get uh, from your house. And so this morning, we just wanted to ask Miss Betty and Miss Debbie a couple of questions. We just have a few minutes here together, and, uh, and so we're going to have uh, just a few moments to talk about this. But Miss Betty, as, as we're talking, we, we were at your house a few weeks ago uh, just sharing uh, just about the history of our church, and uh, I wanted to ask you, how did our church begin? What, how did our church start in those early days? Well, the Kings Mountain Baptist Association put a tent down here. Between, uh, 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 on the road, or Earl Road and uh, County, County Ham Road. Yeah. And they started a revival meeting. And it was a two-week revival. And at the end of that revival, some of the men were outside talking, Mr. Weber and uh, several other men, and they talked about it and they said, you know, we could start a vacation Bible school, couldn't we? And another one said, well, maybe we could do a Sunday school too. <clears throat> and so they told the, the associational leaders, Reverend Lewis Ludlam and, and uh, Lawrence Roberts, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, they said, well, well, that's good. We can do that. So they had the vacation Bible school. And 60 children were enrolled, and they had an average attendance of 50. 
Now, we just got through our vacation Bible school here, and it was a great one. That was a great one back there, too, when the <laughs> church started. <laughs> and then we had the, uh, uh, the, the uh, what was it we did next now? Started the Sunday school. The Sunday school. We started the Sunday school, and then uh, it was just a regular Sunday school like we have now. <laughs> and after that, we uh, they began to think about well, we want to become a church. And they got busy and went to work on that. And they decided on the 9th of October that they were going to start the church. But when they get, got busy with it, they had two people there who came and brought their letters. And the, the association said, well, you cannot start a church with just two members. You've got to have more than that. So they came back the next year next week and that that time they had 14 come with their letters and five people joined so that made 19 people and they said well we can start a church now and so that's what they got started doing and the first thing they did was saying well to have a church we've got to have a name hmm. and they thought about it and they had maybe a couple of names they could choose from but they chose to name it Putnam Memorial Baptist Church after Frank Putnam, who at one time had been a, a missionary that started churches in, the, in the, this association. Well, after they got the name and got it started, they said, well, we've got to get in that association now. And so they decided that they'd get a committee and they'd take that committee and, and get this church into an association. And so they chose Miss uh, Pauline Weber and Mr. Strickland and Mr. McSwain. And the three of them were to go to the, the association meeting that year, and it was going to be at Beaver Down Baptist Church. Well, they went. And Miss Weber stood up there that day, and she said, We want to get Butler Memorial Baptist Church in the association. And somebody said, I make a motion, and that motion carried. And at that Sunday, they took us right into the association. We weren't a mission. We were a church. Now, but it's, it's interesting to note that Putnam was the last church accepted like that into the association. From yeah. that time forward, the church had to be a mission for one year yeah. before it could become a member of the association in good standing. Yeah, that's amazing. Anything else you'd like to say about that, Miss Betty? November. November. And um, 
when they got that going and that Reverend Lawrence uh, Ludlum, Roberts, no, Ludlum, Ludlum, okay. uh, he, he went and with a group of uh, the church picking cotton and they picked every bit of the cotton and they were paid for picking the cotton. They took that money and they put it on the lot. Now the lot was owned by uh, Roland Gant and uh, he wanted $1,200 for the lot. That wasn't a whole lot hmm. now thinking about it, but it was a whole lot back then. And they got the money and it was, the church was built. In fact, they started, they had their first Sunday in there, uh, I believe it was uh, December. December, I forgot the date, but they had their first church Sunday there. And it was just really exciting how everything was going along. It was just moving so fast and, and everything was just really marvelous, it seemed to me. Because that was God at work. You could see him everywhere he was working. And he had that church just going, uh, they, they just wasn't going to let it just be a little thing. I wanted to mention something that's pretty awesome because you said something. I want to make sure you guys catch this. This is amazing. They put that tent out in October, 6, October 16th, 2019. That was when the church officially, or not 2019, 1949. <laughs> that was when the church officially started, okay? October, they didn't have a building. They had that tent, okay? Uh, which is pretty cool. Miss Irene uh, that plays for us over here, she's actually in that picture of the tent uh, there as a little girl, which is pretty amazing. Um, but from October, they had a building up by December. In two months, they're in this temporary building meeting for the first time. That's amazing how God works, all right? The, the speed of that. Even, even like what you were saying about the association that normally, traditionally, the association will not let you be a church uh, until about a year into it. That very week, October 16th, uh, not just a few days later, they were at the association and they adopted, the association recognized them as a church within just a few days, uh, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. All right. Um, so I'm sorry about that, Miss Betty. I wanted to make sure they were catching that because that's a, that's a pretty awesome thing. And even the fact that um, all the money that was coming in here, the 1200 uh, that the church paid out, the, the gentleman that requested that money wound up giving it right back to the church. And uh, even, even the cotton that was picking, uh, the money that, that the cotton pickers used to pick the cotton, they gave it to the church as well. So man, just the generosity of those early days, those early church members uh, giving to the church and the divine sovereignty going on there is pretty, pretty amazing. I'm sorry, Let, let's continue. Um, just tell us maybe a little bit more. Uh, actually, there was a funny story in this building that you told me about the temporary building, Soot Sunday. Can you tell us a little bit about that funny moment? Well, let me tell them about the church first. Oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> Anything you want, Miss Betty, you, you, you've earned your right to speak. Well, it was one long building, and you've seen the picture. It was just one long building, and it was sitting right out on the road up there. And uh, in one end, the south end, they had a full pit, and it had a lifted floor, and it had a uh, place for the piano to sit with the preacher. And then 
Coming up in the middle was a, a smoke, smokestack, I'll call it. Pot a Potbelly stove. Uh-huh, great big old round for potbelly stove. Hmm. Little here and great big down there. And that's the way they heated it. And uh, they had two little boys that came in. He lived right up there. He, they were James and Marvin Strickland. And they would come down and build and light it up, build a fire and whatever you call it. And one Sunday they messed up with the flu somehow. Well, it was Easter Sunday that day. And us ladies was all dressed up in the prettiest outfits you ever saw. And we wore hats back then, and our hats matched our outfit. And we got come up there that Sunday, and we sat down and stood up to sing the first song. And everybody had soot all over their clothes. <laughs> it was just soot everywhere. And on top of that, the floor was all covered in dirt and sand on the top of the dirt. And back then, uh, suede shoes was very popular with the women. And the women was wearing those suede shoes, and that thing don't want to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> and they was uh, worried about their shoes because they had to clean that sand out of them, their shoes. It just matted in them. But that was, the, that was the first Sunday we had a soot and a dirt <laughs> church bed. Soot sand. And it didn't matter. Yeah. We were in our church. Yeah. And they all came back the next Sunday, soot and all. Yeah, but they didn't have to worry about the soot next Sunday. Yeah. You know, Miss Betty, um, it's interesting because obviously that was a temp we call that a temporary building and everything about that was temporary uh, we have just a couple more minutes left but I wanted to ask you in a brief summary how did the church continue to grow we've got some pictures here um, but how did the church continue to grow from that temporary building to where we are now Yeah. And that's when they decided to put the red brick on, was in 58. Yeah. Well, then the next construction that happened was uh, they decided they needed a place for the ministers to live. So they built the parsonage in 63. And uh, today that's our, our offices. Can we go back real quick? Two pictures, Sarah, I wanted to show, just so we can kind of get an idea of what it is now, the, the, uh, the north, the north. But yeah, this building right here. This is actually, if you're looking right here, this is currently our children's preschool area. This is, this is where we're at right here outside of this building. Uh, yeah. 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 And the church parsonage, if you can go to that, Sarah, that church parsonage is now, um, it's funny, uh, Joey Strickland, I, I caught him, he's in that picture as a little kid, which is kind of funny. Yep. And, uh, but it's interesting that church parsonage is, is right here. That's our church office. So if you've ever stepped foot in there, that's the, the building right there. And that was in, uh, what? Yeah, so I'm sorry, please continue. I just wanted to give a little context there. Well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, then they uh, decided that several years later we wanted a sanctuary, so we built the, the sanctuary then, uh, put the wings on it, and when we put the wings on it, uh, Larry Morris was here at the time. We built this building. It was our gymnasium and fellowship hall. And so the church has really, really moved on. 
Yeah. And, and then after the worship center, I believe the next building was the warehouse, correct? Yes. Yep, this is the warehouse building. And I think we got a picture of them put it, building that back in 2003, I believe. Yeah, getting, getting started on that, right? Amen. Well, we are, we are just so thankful for the investment that both of you ladies have made and, uh, in our church and the investment that Gus made uh, here at our church. Uh, we definitely miss Mr. Gus, and uh, it has been such an honor. And we know there's stories like this uh, all throughout um, our church history, stories that they have, stories that you might have being a part of our church. And we just want to say we are thankful for the investment you've made. We, we have a longer version of this that we just, for time, don't have time to discuss. But we are going to put uh, kind of the transcript. We've, we've written out, or Miss Betty and Miss Debbie, I should say, have has written out just a brief history of that. We're going to have that online under our sermon. So you're more than welcome uh, this week, probably Monday or Tuesday, we'll have that up. So you can download that and, and read the full transcript of that. We'll also have some at the iDesk next Sunday. But we just want to thank you for being a part of this, letting, uh, letting you two ladies be a part of what we're saying. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. Uh, we're talking about the church and all the things that have happened, how it started. I would just like to say that Putnam Memorial Baptist Church has gone from a canvas tent to a, camp, a campus, hmm. from temporary building to permanent structures, from 29 charter members to 1,388 hmm. currently on road. From Sunday school to connection groups. And from Putnam Memorial Baptist Church to Pleasant City Church. God was with our church when we organized. And he continues to lead and guide us today as we obey his will and continue to expand to meet the needs of this community and of our church and the world. Today we're celebrating our 70 years of praising God, mm. abiding in his word, and obeying his will as our church moves forward in his kingdom's work. John 4, verse 35b reads, Lift up your eyes and look upon the hills, upon the fields, for they are white already under the Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. That right there is a little taste of why this is such a great church. I mean, we're basically celebrating changes that many people wouldn't be, many churches could not go through. And uh, so here's what I want to do. If you joined our church in, in the 1950s, would you please stand? In the 1950s, if you joined our church, would you stand? There she goes. I knew there was one in Miss Betty, of course. 1950s, if you joined the church. Really? How old are you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, there's several. Yeah, we have several here. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. How about the 1960s? If you joined our church in the 1960s, would you just stand? 
All right. Yeah, look at here. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. That's about the 1970s. Anybody in 1970s? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> 80s. Anybody in the 80s? Well, look at here. All right. Yeah. Really cool. Thank you. We appreciate you. And we're going to end on this one. 90s. Anybody joining in the 90s? Would you stand? Wow. There's a few of them. All right. Wow. We appreciate you guys. Let, let me just say that uh, I don't think Jimmy's in here. Is Jimmy Weber in here right now? I think he's coming to the next service. He is the last charter member of our church. And uh, he's scheduled to be here in our next service uh, with his family. So, uh, boy, it's so cool to be able to see uh, just how God has, has, has used this church. Uh, if you've served in our church in some capacity as deacon, as a, a teacher, uh, uh, usher, worker, whatever you, if you've served more than 25 years, would you please stand right now? You've served this church in at least some capacity. Even, amen. Look at this, y'all. Come on. There's more of you. I've seen it. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. Appreciate you guys. Some of you, I, I see Leon, Leon back there, and I see Doug and several others. Some of you have taught not just one generation, but several generations of people. And uh, we do thank you for your service and the way you've served our church. All right. Let me, let me say this. I, I, one thing that I'm so grateful for for this church is that our, the church, the people who have been here for so many years who probably made uh, sacrifices we'll never know about, I want to thank them for not being so possessive of the church that we couldn't grow like we've been able to grow. And I mean, you think about some of the things we've done. We, we, we went and took something that I know they were very proud of in that, that uh, old worship center over there. And it was a beautiful building. I, I mean, I don't know if you knew it in its, in its day, but when I first got here, it was, it was one of the most beautiful buildings. Everybody wanted to have weddings there in the, in the community. Uh, but they allowed us, because of space, we didn't need it any longer, to turn it into a children's facility. And now, as many children are over there worshiping as it was adults that would worship there at one time, it's just amazing to see how God has worked. And then the name change a couple years ago. Listen, I, I tell people about our name change, and they're like, how were you able to pull that one off, you know? And, and it really is amazing how God has been able to use us in a way that we can stay up with the culture in a way to reach that culture. And it's because of people that you saw standing here that didn't take ownership as far as not allowing the church to be what it could, could potentially be in this community. And I just want to thank you. And let's give them a round of applause for that. <clears throat> not only do we see, do we remember the sacrifice behind us, but second of all, we need to resist the complacency among us. And, and there's several things when we look at uh, the passage here, going back to the Israelites. If you look at chapter 24, once again, look at verse 14. It says, now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now, here's what he's saying. Basically, Joshua is saying, step up. Step up. Don't, don't become complacent. He's there. Many people believe he's literally on his deathbed. And he's talking to the leadership and he's saying, listen, there's still a lot that needs to be accomplished. It's time, this is not the time to become complacent. 
Now, keep in mind that giants had already been defeated in the land. Think about that. They go in and the giants have been defeated. The walls have come down. Mindsets had to be changed. And all of a sudden, all these things begin to happen. And the same things happened in this church over the last 20 years. In the last 20 years, at the 50th anniversary, I preached a sermon just like this. And I want to show you some things that have happened in the last... 20 years. Look here, pull that on up. Since our 50th anniversary, we have seen 571 baptisms. Isn't that amazing to think about that God's used us in that way? Membership, as Miss Betty said, well, from, from that time, from 725 to 1,388. If you're going to, our budget has gone from 348,000 to, to this year, 1.152 million. The budget giving over that period of time has been right at $18 million that God has used for us to do ministry and mission. Missions giving is at $3.7 million. I mean, that, that's remarkable for a church in Cleveland County to be able to be a part of something like that. Uh, Short-term mission trips, we've had about 523 participants. That's the best we could tell on that. Now, this is what blows my mind when, I, when we got to adding this up. Those who have been called to serve in full-time ministry, 18 have come out of this church in the last 20 years. And, and another four are preparing. Isn't that cool to see how God has used this place? Church plants nationally, uh, in, in, right here in our area, we've helped plant two churches. We're currently sponsoring a church in Hollyoke. We're part of that ministry. And then internationally, we don't even know how much of an impact we've had there. Uh, but many churches have been, uh, as a result, result of what we've given to and our and teams going out. Next, uh, Mother's Morning Out. 91 children uh, are currently enrolled in our Mother's Morning Out. And let me tell you, that is a great outreach tool for our church. Uh, and and uh, that's ministering to 75 families, 75 families. All right. Now, you can see that God has used us uh, when it comes to this. When we look at buildings, and, and, and Miss Betty and Debbie were talking about this. You look at buildings. We have phase one, which was about 300000 We remodeled. We created new paid parking. Uh, we remodeled the parsonage to become church offices. By the way, this church uses every square foot. Every square foot. We just, we, we've had a counselor uh, want to bring her services here to our church. It's in, it's in the basement of the offices right now. And we have a counselor that works out of that office. It's the tiniest office you've ever seen in your life. We use every square inch of, this, of these facilities. Uh, phase two, you can see some things we've done. Uh, about, we built the warehouse, remodeled the preschool area, added to the preschool area, reconstructed the courtyard, built a new preschool playground. Phase three, if we can look there. Okay, all right. We remodeled the exterior of the existing building. Uh, we did purchase four acres of land. They were talking about the fact that we were almost landlocked at one time. We're not landlocked. We can, we can do pretty well now. Uh, transition the old auditorium into a children's uh, worship area. Transition the gym into a worship area. That's what you're sitting in right now. Go to the next. And then, of course, we have the idea. Now, I'm got ahead of myself. I mean, when you think about this, we did not become complacent. We continued to, to, to do what they did the first 50 years by building and reaching and continuing to grow. But thirdly, what do we do to continue to respond or build on the foundation? Thirdly, we got to release the fears within us. Look at verse 15. It says, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, he repeats this again, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, you know this one, right? 
we will serve the Lord. Now, I want you to think about the boldness that Joshua has here. That was not always the case with Joshua. Joshua had a lot of, of fears when he first became God's man to, to lead the nation of Israel. He, he, there are four times, basically, when you look in, in the first chapter, you're going to see that, that God tells, he tells this to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And there's four things God tells him to trust in. Look on your outline. He says, trust my promises. Lord, I mean, think about that. Trust my promises. If, if I've told you I'm going to do something, God's basically saying, I'm going to do it. And he's done that for us here at this church. He's constantly led leadership to continue to grow. Trust my word. Trust my word. Trust my direction. Just trust what I want to do in and through you. And then trust my protection. I'll protect you through this. And I want you to think about your own personal life. It's not only that he wants to do this with a church body. He wants to do with this with you personally. He, he, so many times the reason we don't do what we are called to do is, is because we just don't take the time to realize that there's a greater calling that could be on our lives that he's calling us to. And we must be aware of those things. And then lastly, we need to respond to the vision before us. Have you ever wondered where the journey will take us next? Have you ever thought about that in your own life? What does God have for you next? Some of you, uh, maybe you don't think of your life that way. Maybe you entered into retirement. Maybe you kind of think you're at the end. Listen, you're still breathing. There's still expectation. God wants to do something in and through your life. And the same thing here. I want you to think about it. Right after Joshua gives him this challenge. And by the way, if you were to look at the last part of chapter 24, here's what he says. He basically says three times to the people. Listen, I'm going to be out of here. Are you still going to step up? Three times they say, yes, we are. Let me give you the wording they use. It says, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And we see that over and over again. And what's interesting about the question that we see here is that they didn't do what they said they were going to do. When you leave the book of Judges, you go into the, excuse me, the book of Joshua, you go to the book of Judges. That was a time of defeat over and over again. They left the victory and they entered into the defeat because they weren't willing to do what God told them to do. And so many times we need to realize that, that just because we've accomplished great things in the past doesn't mean God's done yet. We have to continue to pursue all that he's called us to pursue. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, it says, sanctify yourselves. That means prepare yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And here's what we need to think about as a church. Those who are lost are still among us. They're still outside these doors. They may be inside these doors, but the lost are still there in need of a Savior. Families are still breaking up, if you haven't noticed. The enemies come in and, and, and wreaking havoc on families right here in our community. Adults, youth, and children still need discipling. Churches still need to be planted. We still have a work that needs to continue. So how will we as a church family respond? Look here on the screen. You know it all. There's three points. Loving God. We believe everyone needs to love God. Come to a right relationship with him through his salvation. Come together for corporate worship and, and just love him. Second of all, you know this one, right? Connecting with others. Y'all, we need one another. 
If we're going to be a strong body that's a resource that God can use in this community and around the world, we need to realize that we've got to do it together and come together. And then lastly, reach the world. How are we going to do that? Through ministry and mission. This is what we're all about. This is what we as a church are about. And this is what we desire for every member of this church, that they're active in pursuing these things. And we believe it's important. How about this? Our church support in missions. If you don't know this, but 12.5% of everything we bring in through our budget giving goes to support missions. What are some of those? The Southern Baptist Cooperative Program, the Greater Cleveland Baptist Association, uh, PCC Missions is where we literally try to get behind our own people and send them out on mission. Nepali Missions, uh, our team just came back. There's a family there that we support. Uh, we pay their salary to do on the grounds uh, ministries. Uh, if we say some of the best money we spend. Indiana Missions, we're involved with a family that's come out of our church, the Carpenters. East West Min Missions, Brandon and Tammy Fieldback, who used to be Southern Baptist missionaries, we're now in behind them, supporting them. Caribbean Missions, Daniel Rice and, 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 and Aaron and their ministry. Central American Missions, uh, we, they'll be added to our, our budget this year because they have a 501c3 or 3c or whatever you call it. Anyway, the Lopez's are going to be a part of our, 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 our giving this for 2020. The co uh, Community Missions, where we try to help those who drop by the office. Pregnancy Resource, Gideon's International, Christine's home. This is a home for children in our community. They attend our church, actually, and we support that. Child evangelism is one of the only ministries you can go to a public school and tell people about Jesus at the end of the day. It's one of the only ministries out there, and we have an ability to support that. The Cleveland Greater, uh, sorry, the Cleveland County Rescue Mission, One Love Missions, uh, One More, One Less. You'll be hearing more about that ministry. That's going to be on our budget for 2020. You'll hear more about that ministry in, in, the, in the months to come. But these are things that we have got our heart behind. And we are spending, listen, this right here, millions of dollars will be spent over the next 20 years to support these type ministries. But where do we go from here structurally? We have what we call phase three and a half. <laughs> we're not quite ready for four yet, but we have this, and this is what we're currently doing. It's a project that's going to take about $3 million. Don't let that sticker shock, shock you like it did me. But anyway, we serve a big God. But anyway, new children's playground and picnic area. Many of you know this has been destroyed. That's where uh, our, Debbie says our mud hole is now, or, or Betty. Anyway, uh, new connect hall. We're building that. Nine adult classrooms. Lord knows we need that. Senior adult suite, prayer room, restrooms. Hallelujah. How many are glad for that? Um, <laughs> video room. You'll ex you will explain more in the future about why that's going to be important. And then a nursing mother's uh, room because we are reaching such young couples that are starting families. And isn't it exciting to be a part of a church that reaches young families that are just starting out with their children? Man, I tell you, it is so amazing to be a part of a church that sees that happening. This is uh, part of where we are. This is our uh, the plans that we're currently building and currently paying on. Uh, you can see that. If you go to the next screen, <clears throat> uh, this is where that's going to take place, right there at the circle. We had to do away with our playground there on the side, but we're going to rebuild it inside the fence there. Keep going. Now the atrium, uh, once we pay this off, this project will build an atrium between the two buildings, a big welcome area. You see that there with the glass. Uh, that's the plan in the future for that. And then lastly, we're going to build a balcony in this room uh, to help us. 
uh, our 11 o'clock service, and of course, look at the 9.30 service, pretty big crowd today. Thank you for being here. But 11 o'clock service is bumping, uh, we're bumping our limits at that point. Uh, it's just a great place to be. I tell you, uh, we can add 250 more seats uh, with a balcony in this room uh, and then more paved parking. Uh, that's, of course, becoming necessary. All that once we pay for the other. And we just see that God continues to put things in front of us. The cost on this Construction costs, uh, 1.35 is about $180,000 more than what we expected. The architecture, engineering, all that, the furnishings, new playground that we're going to need to build, the, the, the three years interest on the loan, we still believe we can pay this off in three and three and a half years. 10% demissions from individuals, like if you give directly to the calls here. Uh, some of that money goes to missions. The total cost is $1.6 million. And, of course, there's the need that we have right there. And you can give to that uh, by put, putting it on offering envelope. But we're, we just believe, and this is another phase of just becoming a discipleship tool that God can use in this community uh, to continue, listen, to continue to build leaders who will go out and pastor other churches and become missionaries in other places. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm more excited about what God, 20 years later, I'm more excited than I was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I was terrified, to be honest with you. <laughs> Young pastor, but it is amazing to see some of the things God has enabled us to do as a church. And in phase four, after three and a half comes four, that we felt like we needed to put on hold uh, until we kind of build a base for that type of project. And I think it only makes sense that we do that. So, so here's, here's what I think we need to remind ourselves. Are we going to move forward? Are we going to remember the sacrifice behind us? I want you to think about this. 70 years ago, people came together. And, and there's a quote that comes from the book of the history here. And it's that idea of this. As they came together, their interest grew. And you know why they believed their interest grew? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit was leading them. If you, read the, if you read it, the Holy Spirit was leading them to begin a church, to start a church in this area. 2,000 years ago, I want you to think about this. That was 70 years ago. 2,000 years ago, the one that really created the foundation for this work. I mean, we can sit here today and thank God for the people that he sent here 70 years ago. But boy, none of it makes sense without the sacrifice 2,000 years ago. And that's when Jesus came to pay the price. He gave us our mandate. He gave us our reason to be a church. You do know that, right? It's to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's our challenge. Are we going to resist the complacency? Are we going to say, you know something? We still got more giants to knock over. We, we still got walls that need to come down. We, there's still people out there that need Jesus. There's still families out there that need, uh, that need uh, the, the answers that are found in God's word. We all need this. And then will we release the fears within us? You know, staying with the familiar is pretty easy. How many of you know that? It's when we branch out. Let me just say this. 20 years ago when I became the pastor here, I had no idea 20 years later I'd be standing here talking about some of these victories and celebrating some of the things we're talking about. And you know why? It wasn't because I doubted God. I doubted what God could do through us. I really did, especially me. I, I was fearful. There's a lot of things I had to overcome. There's a lot of things that didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go. And, and God had to work on me as an individual to get through some of that. 
But you know something? It's amazing what God can do and what God has done by raising up the leadership in this church that says, you know something? We know it's not going to be easy. We know it won't be popular, but we know we got to do this to continue to be what God wants us to be. I want to commend you as a church that you released the fears and you went beyond your complacency. Thank you so much for believing in what we believe God has called us to do, but we're not done yet. And then lastly, respond to the vision before us. Will we be a church of the past or a church of the future? I want you to think about this. 70 years ago, that generation handed off to another generation. And then that generation handed off to another generation. And then we're a generation. What are we going to hand off? What are we going to give to the next generation? Will it be a vibrant church? Will it be a church that God continues to use until he comes back? What will we leave behind us? So here's the application. Will we continue to be the church God uses to reach this community and and the pockets of the world he's called us to? Will we respond to the vision he gave us 20 years ago? I want to ask you, if you will, to stand to your feet at this time. And if you can and if you're able, I want to call us all to prayer this morning. And I want you to get as close as you can to the front of this room as we pray. Because there's so much at stake. So go ahead and make your way. Just if you can and you're able, I want us to have a time of prayer. I just want you to come forward as we pray and just lift up what God has called us to and let us celebrate what he's done. But more importantly, let's look to what he wants to do in the future. Father, I just come to you right now and Lord, I'm humbled by what you've done through this church in the last 20 years and really the last 70 years. Father, we've seen that we continue to build on a platform that was well established back 70 years ago. And then God, you began to call more people to be a part of this work. So you brought some in the 50s, you brought some in the 60s and the 70s and 80s and 90s. And even in the last 20 years, Father, you brought and you continue to bring those that help build this body. Father, I look around a room like this and I see the the men and women who made all this possible, who basically said, Lord, that they want to be used to, to impact this community. Lord, I thank you that they didn't take possession of this church. They just freely said, God, you do the work. You, you work through us, Father. I thank you that the generations handed off to the next in a healthy way. But Father, I pray right now that this generation that's sitting in this room will hand it to the next generation even more better better off, Father. I pray right now for the leadership that could come 20 years down the road, 10 years down the road, Father. I pray right now, Lord, for for those that are being developed uh, for ministry. I thank you for those 22 that have basically come from this body over the last 20 years and said, yes, I believe God's called me to something full time. Father, some of them are actually sitting in this room and we praise you for that. But Father, we thank you for the work that you've done, Lord, uh, through the people that have influence in this church. 
There's several that I could name that, Lord, you just, you just brought them to the leadership and, and helped the lay leadership to accept what you've called us to do. And Father, I just, Lord, I'm just so excited about what you've done and what you want to do. I thank you for all the souls that's been reached for 70 years in this place. I thank you for the fact that you've brought uh, funds together and resources together to make an impact throughout this world for the last 70 years. Father, I thank you for the pastors that have served here over the last 70 years, Lord, that came here, that had a, had a vision for this place, that, Lord, just wanted to be used mightily to expand the kingdom. I thank you for the sacrifices that many of those people made, Father, for those families. Father, I thank you for Larry and Carol Morris, Lord, who I had the privilege to work with for nine of the years I've been here and just saw the way, Lord, that you just used them. And then those that I hear about that you've used uh, before that. But Father, as we look to the future, help us not to be complacent. Help us to look to the vision you've called us to. Help us not to fear, but help us to remain strong, making the decisions that are necessary to be what you've called us to be in the generations to come. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go back.